Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 335 for Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. And welcome to, or welcome back, to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians here, working as a musician in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Napomo, California, it's Paul Kent. How are you today, Mr. Kent? I'm good, Mr. Hamilton. How are things? Things are, uh, things are good. It's, uh, it's evidently snow season here in New England. We had, <laughs> we had like, we only had like 15 inches this uh, on Saturday, I think Boston, some areas of Boston got like three feet. Um, yeah. And we've got a bitter pill gig coming up on, on Friday um, at this place called gravy. They're doing a party for their two year anniversary at this. It's actually a, a, a location I've played before it, when it was the prior owners. And, um, but it's, I think we're supposed to get like eight inches of snow. So I don't know if that's going to happen either, but. You know, it's how it goes. How does it work? Winter. Since I don't live there, I don't really get it. Is it literally like if if there's a certain amount and conditions are bad, everybody calls the leader and the leader calls the venue and the venue says, yeah, we're not going to be able to make it? Or, you know, like how, how do you manage snow and the uncertainty of whether a show can happen because you can't get to a show? Yeah. So whoever the booking contact is, you know me, I'll, I'll, I'll always not define a band by its leader because many bands don't have leaders. Um, but whoever, yeah, whoever's interfacing with the booking agent will, will talk to the club ahead of time usually and get what, whatever their feel is on it, because, you know, if they want to bail, then it's not up to us to bail, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but otherwise, yeah, we, like when I was, we, in Bitter Pill, we haven't really, I, I mean, we've had the conversation, but it, we haven't had it specifically in Chafed. We, uh, we got it down to a, a science where, uh, if there was more than four inches predicted to come down either, you, you know, like at some point, like during the gig or right before the gig or whatever, at that point, every member of the band had veto power and there was no judgment. Right. It was no. like, OK, yep, we get it. Nobody wants to have to deal with this stuff. But it was the four inch rule. And that worked really well for us in Chafe. It We we instituted that rule after a gig where we all went to uh and and wound up playing while two feet of snow fell uh outside of us and then we each had i think the shortest drive home was maybe an hour uh at wow. like two in the morning it was a halloween party the power actually wound up going out at the gig but they had a generator so we played another hour because at that point it was like well no sense leaving now like <laughs> the damage is done we might as well. it was a packed house it was you know and every one of us the reason we instituted the four inch rule after that was because every one of us as we were leaving our houses for the gig that was when the snowstorm was starting or maybe it had already started like five in the afternoon or something and every one of us thought oh man if it were up to me i'd cancel this thing but no one else has said anything and you know it was a fairly well paying gig there's a were a couple of guys in the band that um uh, that you know music was their primary uh, or one of their you know major sources of income or whatever and so it, you know uh, like for me it was like i mean i like the money don't please don't get me wrong you know but it was like i i could have afforded not to do the gig and i even had the thought of 
you know, if I just paid everybody else for the gig, I could stay home and be safe with my yeah. family. You know, like I had that thought. Obviously, I didn't act on it. But, you know, we when we got to the gig and especially at the end of the gig, it, it sort of came out one by one that everybody went through that process of like – Man, I don't need the I don't need the money that bad. Like I don't know that this is a smart idea, but since no one said anything, nothing happened, and we did the gig. Thankfully, everybody did make it home safely, uh, and that was good. It was a treacherous ride home. In fact, anytime I drive that stretch of road, <sighs> I remember coming. I, I was watching the, <laughs> the 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 GPS on my you know on my car, counting down how far I was from my house, and I had just gone under the ten mile mark, but I, I wasn't on like. Highway. I was on state roads, so I still had a, a you know a while to go, and uh, I had just gotten under the ten mile mark and came over a hill in the snow. I mean, it was just snow everywhere. Two in the morning, yeah. you know, the plows hadn't been out, and I see flashing lights and all this stuff. So I slow down, and there's a, a tree clear across the road, and a cop there. And I was like, "Hey!" I got out of the car. I was like, "Hey, what's the, you know, what, what, how, what's the deal?" He's like, yeah, there's a tree across the road. You can't go this way. I'm like, I got that. Like, what do you recommend? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I think that street over there could sort of goes around, but it, it, I started going up it and it was like, oh, I'm going to, this, this is where I'm going to. GPS stuff. No, it was GPS. It, it was, but it, he's like, you know, I'm like, what roads are passable? And he's like, yeah, I think this road sort of goes around. And I started going up it and it was like, oh no, I'm going to sleep here. If this is, if I keep going on this road. So I had to go back like five miles to find a, you know, another, another path. God, it sucked. And so anyway, four inch rule, (laughs) long story short. Yeah. You know, as you're telling that story, I'm I'm just kind of thinking about, uh, I am reminded that I put a lot of effort to make everyone in my band feel like a band member, right? Yeah. That there's a, that, that there is a, uh, a group concern. I'm often taken by surprise when someone acts in a distinctly individual manner and, you know, COVID stuff is a pretty good example, right? So, you know, uh, people are all making their individual decisions about health, which I, I get, you know, that you got to do that. It's health. Right. But when it gets to a gray area, like interpreting the way that the wind is going to go, when someone puts a stake in the ground and says, well, I got to look out for me. Um, I'm, I'm all often back on my heels. Like, if I had 10 guys all saying, I got to look out for me, we would never get anything done. Right. right. There would be there no gigs. Be, no. Yeah. That's there right. has to be some, you know, willingness to understand that before you go to the, I got to look out for me, think about the effect that it has on the other guy. So if you book a gig and, you know, or decide not to go, like, we, you know, we've spoken many times. If someone decides to sub themselves and you have a sub in your band, oh, that's a whole um, if you allow that, it's the band is less than what it could be. Sure. Therefore, you know, you never know. Is that the gig where the person is going to give you, you know, a month of high pay, a year of high paying gigs at some other place? Is that the gig that they're going to come see you? And it's not. Or if you're the guy who has some specific fans and they come out and say, well, why isn't so-and-so here? And you're like, oh, he took the day off. And then you're like, well, do I ever know who I'm going to see when I come see your band? The interconnectedness of the decision-making is something I, again, I, I will always take the leader perspective. I try and make it as easy and um, beneficial as possible for people to remember that contributing to the greater good pays off a lot. Be careful before you go to the, well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a sole contractor or I'm, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just one guy and you know, I, I'm an independent guy. I happen to give you my time on these nights. No, a band is a different thing. Well, see, I think that's where your leader perspective or a leader-led band, uh, that's a liability. 
right? Because in in the bands that I'm in, like like Uptown was definitely definitely had more of that vibe than any other band I've ever been in, and that's really the the only truly leader led band I've I've been in. You know, and- wait, wait, let me let me clarify that vibe that everybody was like. I'm a side man in this group. Correct. I'll make decisions that are best for me. Correct. Yeah. And any other but, band I'm in, it's always a group discussion. You know, everybody gets it that yes, there there is now people might get it at different degrees, right? We all have our, our tipping point where it goes from you know the benefit of the group to, all right, screw it. I got to take care of me. Right. Like, I mean, we all have that point, but, but by and large in like in, in bitter pill and in fling and chafed and, uh, you know, uh, pretty much every other band I can think of other than uptown, which very much was a, a different organizational structure. Every other band, it's like, well, yeah, you think about the band first, like, you know that you've you've made this commitment to these other whatever three four five people however many it is, and and you know that it, whenever you hit your selfish tipping point, like the, you know that that's going to impact those three four five other people in a potentially negative way, and anybody whoever gets there first potentially again screws up the rest right it, it doesn't matter which person it is and. And so, you you know, you kind of go in and and I'm, I'm I certainly in my own head, I think I'm one of the worst at this because I, you know, I have lots of stuff going on and it's super easy for all of us. It's not just me, but, you know, it's super easy for all of us to justify. Well, this time is different. My scenario is more important or, you know, whatever. Like you can tell yourself those things and and they might be true, but it doesn't really matter. You, you know, you have to if you want to play in a band, you've got to play in a band. And, yeah. and that that means going with the flow most of the time. So where that gets different is when you go down the path of you want the best pros in the area, the guys who are by definition, mm-hmm. you know, guns for hire, right? There's a slightly different mentality than the I'm joining a band mentality. Even if the guns for hire are like, yes, I will be first call for your band. I, I would say they're, they're you a conversation where it's, like, does this mean the same thing to you that it means to us or me? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, if you you know if you've got a band that's a band that's a band, then I, I feel like it's certainly my experience has been that's very different than a band of hired guns. Yeah, mm. yeah. But again, a band of hired guns is usually organized such that if you can't have you know player A filling any slot, well then you have player B and you're ready to mm-hmm. roll. And it's no big deal. Like anytime I've been invited, like I'm not really thinking about this, like, like the Amanda stuff that I do. That's very much a gig by gig, you know, whoever she can get kind of thing. You're not in her band. Yeah. I mean, I am when I'm on stage with her, you you know, I just mean organizationally, (laughs) you know, she can't just call up and say, okay, gigs, 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 Friday at five o'clock, you know, be there. Right. You know, she has to ask. Right. She has to ask, is everybody available? And, and, and yeah. more so, I mean, that happens in any band. Is everybody available to a different, you know, to, to, to different degrees? But, but like that's, you know, you, you are, you got the call. Was I the first call or the fourth call? I, unless I ask her, she Another, tells me, yeah. I don't know. You know, I, the, yeah. the, the, the text came in. I, I either answered it yes or no. And that's the end of that. I don't, you know, I, I may, feel disappointed if I have to say no because I enjoy playing the gig or whatever, but it's, I, I don't feel uh, an obligation to say yes, if that makes yeah. sense. It's a whole no, different no, it makes vibe. total sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
this hits my band in a different way as, you know, our life has gotten different. The, the sure. assumption used to be if you're in the band, right, you, I've, I've asked you to be in the band, you're in the band, um, I'm assuming you're available to play. If I have to check down 10 guys for every gig offer we get, this is never going to work, right? right? So the assumption is – and but I had to earn that trust by booking enough gigs to make sure. it worth their while to them to say, this is my first priority, right? Right. But now that I've let them know I'm moving away and we're going to play a little bit less, I think I've shared this before. The process is I, on a calendar, said, hold these weekends for me for the whole rest of the year. And – uh it, other than those weekends, book whatever you want. If something comes up, I will call and ask, but I'm not going to assume. But hold these weekends yeah, for me. That's fair. And uh, yeah, and and I mean, any um, system works as long as everybody knows what the system is. Yeah. Well, this is kind of my point. So I I do this, and I noticed Simon, my other guitar player. You know Simon. I do. Um, he uh, published that he had a couple of solo gigs on one of the dates of a weekend that I asked him to hold. I was like, dude, did you see that I asked you to hold this? He goes, he goes, yep. He goes, Paul. My deal with every place that I book is that house rockers are my priority. Huh. If I have to, you know, I'll, I'll take a booking, but if house rockers come up with something, I'll do. And I, you know, there was a little discussion cool. about like house rockers will come up on something on those weekends. But, you know, he communicated quite directly to me, you know, don't worry, yeah. which I sincerely appreciated. Sure. And if he's Makes listening sense. to this, I sincerely appreciate it. Um, other guys have been like, well, you know, I, I, uh, I know you asked me to hold them, but there was nothing on that one day. And I was like, that's not – go back and look at how I explained how this is going to work. And, you know, again, leverage is an interesting thing on both sides. I mean, there's that very fine point where my goal is to keep my band together and, you know, keep everybody productive and happy and, you know, enjoying playing with each other. However, if someone is like, well, no, you know, you're not here, so I'm not going to get 80 gigs a year from you. I'm only going to get 50 gigs a year from you, so I'm going to do something to fill those 30, you know, dates. Sure. If someone wants to make that choice, and no one is making that choice, but if someone was to make that choice, I'd be like, well, that's not the deal. That's not what the deal that I'm offering. So, you know, if you're going to change the deal, you know, here's what it means. On yeah, only one only one person gets to be Darth Vader before the before the, the, the relationship falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's just how it is. But that's yeah. – it, yeah, it, like whatever works, works. I, it, you know, I um, – and even even leader led bands, you know, I hear how you talk about the house rockers and and I, I think I have a pretty good sense, you know, after doing the show for seven mm -hmm. years or whatever, you know, yeah. how how that goes. And and but and I know how like Gary ran the, uh, you know, ran Uptown and I know how Murray in Texas ran Murray Woods and Tangle Blue, which was far more of a band, but he was definitely the leader. You know, it was no question about it. But that that really was just a, a you know, we were a band of three for sure. Uh, but you know, everybody has a different style. There, there's no one way that works universally. It's like you figure out what works for your band and hopefully it continues to work or you yeah. adapt and evolve and, and you make it happen because that makes it more fun. I don't know. You know, it's, no, I agree. I mean, yeah. it's, it's communication, which is the basic thing of everything and clear communication. I find that occasionally what people think they have communicated or what people think they heard from me requires two or three times going over and making sure everybody's really clear and a lot of things in writing, even though it sounds litigious. I actually think having, you know, this is why Slack is so good. You can you just oh, you know, yeah. chat and have a, a record of what you've agreed to, right? You know, Nick in my band is um, getting busy with his Zappa tribute thing. I mean, it's doing really well. He's going to take, take it and do some tours 
Um, and he's got 16 guys that he's got to coordinate with. So he's got a big thing, and, and uh, but he's been, he has bent over backwards to let me know as long that we're clear on availability of time and, you know, the way it works and all these types of things. And he communicates to me what he's doing. And, you know, it's, it's the, the two probably busiest guys. I mean, I'd actually know Simon is quite busy. I was going to say, um, I'm, I'd be surprised if anybody else was as busy as Simon. He's, yeah, he's Simon playing a bunch. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. But I again, think it's good. It is. It's, yeah. it's communication, but it, it, the interest is in keeping. Do you all still want to you know, be in this situation that is going to do these things? Are we clear? This is what it's going to be. It's, I guess assumptions are the things that really turn into poison. You know, that's when it becomes cancer. You know, when when the assumptions go errant, you know, go I, off into left field. And, and I would say assumptions and edicts. I, I mean, it, you know, I, I find when when it's like this my way or the highway approach that, that so rarely works if it's supposed to be a band. My way or the highway is great for a hired gun scenario because yeah. it's just sort of part and parcel of how that how that is. Right. It's one person's thing. They're organizing yeah. it. Everything's great. As soon as you have a band. Like I find that edicts don't, people don't like last. Being, yeah, people don't like being held held to task like that. I, I totally get it. Although I'll, you know, talk about leader led band. So I um have three <clears throat> trios now. Okay. Uh, one when I play uh in a certain part of the Central Coast. One when I play in another part of the Central Coast, and then one for my coffee house gigs up in the Bay Area that have all come about. And uh, I'm finding that even though I have said the role I am offering you, I do all the booking, you know, it's billed as Paul Kent. This is a backing band type of thing. Okay. I'm amazed how instantly in almost all of the cases, I, you know, within days, have you ever thought about doing this tune? Hey, I could sing this tune. You know, like, like the, also it is a certain level of pro that really understands what a backing band thing is. So just saying the word and describing the the relationship uh, doesn't seem to be enough in at least two of the three cases that I'm in now, right? I'm, you know, immediately like, no, 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 do, you do not understand what this is. It's like, you're going to show up and play the songs that I, I've asked you to play. I think, I think you would, uh, I think you would appreciate being in a band that's a band. Like not, not a band where mm. you're the side man and not a band where the people you hire are the side men, right? Cause like th- those are, th- those are two different things for sure. But, yeah. but, but same kind of scenario. I, like, Too much a control freak though, man. Too, I, you know, same, I can't see things. same, but like, but I, I, I think, but I have learned that I have more enjoyment in, cause I'm a massive control freak, right? Like I'm, I, I announce myself as patently unemployable, <laughs> right? You know, but, um, but I find that the collaborative environment of a band that's a band is better than any of those other things I, I, for, I would, for me. And I think it would be for you if you did, if you did it. And I know that it's a hard leap to make. Trust me. I get it. Well, I, you know, in the few times where I have taken on a gig as a, not a hired gun, but you know, like, I'm not the leader. It is really easy for me to say, tell me what you want me to play and I'll play. And, and, uh, you know, the, your call, yeah, but that's, right? that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, no, no, like, I understand. A, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reflecting that my mind is just way too binary for that type of stuff. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's hard for me. I'm not a good, colla- you know, you're patently unemployable. I'm not a good collaborator. I'm, I mean, you know, it, um, it gets frustrating to me to compromise when an idea that someone is bringing, I know is not, is not as good as the idea. 
have. <laughs> right? Yeah, but that's I, that's I, the I, beauty I, of collaboration is is those moments where you you know where I am. I, I don't mean to put this on you. I was going to talk about the general you, but I'll talk about the I. Right? Where where I am certain that the idea that I've had is the best one. Right up until the point where I I take a minute and breathe. And it's like, okay, I'm going to let this other person, you know, share their idea so that we can get it out of the way and move forward with mine. Right. You know, like, uh-huh. like, cause sometimes it. it's like, okay, this is the fastest path. Just let this person work this out of their system and then we'll do the right thing. And I know that I'm right. Right up until the point that they share their idea. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Are you pleasantly surprised when someone, you know, does, I, I'm not against learning. I can, I'm, it's not that. Yeah. I I just like to get stuff done. Man. Oh, same. I, like move, I like to keep our feet moving forward, right? Yeah, but the collaborative so. process is is productive in a different way, and it, it 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 just it takes. I mean, it's like anything. It takes practice, right? You, you know, it, you you didn't know how to drive a car the first time you sat down behind the wheel. You didn't know how to play a guitar the first time you sat. All down, right, all right. right? Well, let me bounce it to you a different way. So, yeah. so maybe well, the, the hard thing is is I can't invent, envision a thing where in a band. Where it's truly democratic and everybody is doing the same amount, right? Like, well, that's like never going ha- to. Those two things are says, not I'll the take same. On the booking, and then the person doesn't put a lot of effort into booking. I'll be like, this is frustrating, right? So, or, or if someone says, you know, I'll do, I'll do the the marketing and the posters, and then you know they kind of drag on, it, and I could have done it, got it done in an hour. Those things are frustrating to me. That's why I'm just well, same. I, like, I, like you, like, I'm unemployable. Right before this, I was texting with Russ. You know, we we fling. We just put out our. Our new EP. Did I say that last week? I don't think I did. Holy crap. Right. So Fling's new EP is out. Fling's, uh, we called it The World is in Our Hands. It's got six tunes on it uh, that we recorded over pandemic. Uh, We recorded it together separately, meaning we all recorded our parts in our own places. Some of us got together and like recorded different things. And then uh, Russ mixed it all and I mastered it all. And uh, we put it out. I think I mentioned last week that it was like we were waiting for CD Baby to, you know, finish doing whatever their review was and and putting it out. Right. So now it's out, which I'm super stoked about. And I'll put a link in the show notes. You got to go check it out because it's I'm really proud of what we put together here. It's freaking amazing. Uh, the two that I've heard have been really, really fun. Very interesting. Uh-huh. And I, I love what's the one tune that I told you had that REM vibe to it. When she goes away, maybe. Loved it. Well, not not when she goes away. Maybe when she goes away. Maybe was the song. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the one we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's that's been the hit. Everybody's uh, the feedback that we've gotten. We, we've actually gotten positive feedback about each and every song. However, the the um, the, the the median uh, feedback settles on when she goes away, which is mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, that's you know that's the beauty of these kinds of things is. Sometimes you know which songs are going to resonate with people, and sometimes you don't. Like I, for me, Zulu One is is the track that I am happy to have finally been able to release. Uh, I've always loved that tune; it's always gone over well. And uh, we tried a couple of times to to track it, and it just didn't work out. This time, it uh, it hit. Uh, in my opinion, I think it really came together well. So. But as I was saying, Russ, just before this, Russ and I were uh, texting because we Russ arranged to have uh, us featured on a radio station over in Vermont. And they asked me, they asked us if we would put together like three or four audio. They're essentially going to interview us asynchronously. So, uh, you know, here's I recorded a bunch of snippets, you know, 30 to 
60 second snippets of me answering questions and then they'll ask the question and put it together in the show and make it sound like we were in the studio and then they'll play our songs and it's great. Right. And one of the things I did was point people to flingrocks.com, which is our website. And then I realized we haven't updated that yet for the new single. And so uh, what did I do instead of going into Slack and saying, hey, who wants to update this between now and, you know, tomorrow when this this interview is going to happen? I texted Russ. I'm like, hey, I just invited you. I gave you a login for the website. You have to go and uh, do this. And if you don't get a chance, I'll do it after I'm finished being in the podcast studio for like four hours because I have another show to do after this one, you know. And he was like, yep, on it. He's like, I wish it was somebody else in the band that would do it. But um, nobody else has grabbed the reins for the website. And mm-hmm. now this just needs to get done. It's that it's that classic thing, right? You if you want something done, ask a busy person, right? <laughs> because the, the, that's just how it is. And so yeah. that that's just my example. And that's I don't say that with any hard feelings or anything. Everybody in Fling does what everybody in Fling does. Um, but it, there there is never an equal amount of effort in a band. Uh, you know, I, I in fact, I. I don't think there's an an equal amount of effort in most partnerships. Uh, and and I think that's just sort of how life goes, um, mm. you know, and that, and and like I've been in bands where like in go figure when I was, you know, in that band in, in college, we uh, the, the the balance of. Input and effort shifted throughout the band's life, you know, for a while, it was our lead singer, Jeff, who was doing everything. He started to burn out. I started to pick up some of the slack that he was doing, uh, you know, and other guys at different times were doing different things. It's just kind of how it – I don't know. It's just how it works. But again, that's that collaborative environment where I, I like it. it. As frustrating as it can be at times, um, I, I like it. And, and I, I, I'm not sure what opened that door for me. You know, I, I mean I found myself in, in – those scenarios. And so it's just like, oh, okay, we'll figure out how to operate within this. And I've definitely screwed it up before. Like, like I've, I've crashed and burned relationships and bands because I was too much of a control freak. Ghetto Fabulous is a great example of that. Um, I, I'm probably responsible for the fact that that band doesn't play as much as it, as it does. But you know what it is? It's, it's um, a question of, it's a question of what the band's goals are. If the band is a business, and the and this you know if the business is prized over the art you know like like I get it you know we're 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 creating music but you know we need to make some money at this that's what we're here to do. Um, the degree to which it's really important to people um, might define what the best path is. If it's an artistic process, so I'm kind of hearing you talk about you know these different situations. I'm thinking like if. If I met some people that I wanted to be collaborative with and there was no timetable on it, there was no you know pressure to get on, on stage next week or, every, or someone's going to quit or if we don't make enough money, someone's going to quit. And so, you know, remember, <laughs> the House Rockers are the first band I started, you know, since I picked up the guitar again, you know, right. 25 years ago. Right. All right. And and then I had some pretty good guys around me that I was playing, but they would not have stuck around if we didn't get gigging. We didn't, you know, if we didn't start earning some money. So, um, you know, if I didn't wait, it would have just been wasted time. I would be constantly, you know, looking for different groups of people. So I guess the reflection is, is, is that definition about when being in a band is fun is, 
And like everything else, if, does everybody have the same timetable? Well, that's it. Is expectations? You have to. Yeah, of course. You got to come into it with people that at least at the outset are relatively well matched with you know what you want to do. I mean, it. If somebody said, "Hey, you know, would you join our band? Uh, we're really interested in in playing in the in the garage, you know, for I don't know, uh, maybe a month or a couple of years." You know, and then eventually maybe we'll gig out and we're not quite sure what songs are going to play and we don't really know what we're going to do. That's very different, right, than somebody saying, hey, uh, you know, I've written some songs. I, I'm I'm putting this together. I want to uh, figure out how to turn these songs that I've written on, on you know, guitar or piano or whatever into a full band thing. And, I, you know, I'm looking forward to getting this thing on stage. And would you be interested in being a part of making that happen? That's two very different scenarios, right? right. Y- you know, and, and so you know that going in, uh, hopefully, and if you don't, well, you learn that you should know that going in, hopefully, yeah. right? You know, and, and I've certainly made a bunch of mistakes and um, no scenario is perfect. But in in that, you know, giving up on on perfection, you wind up being productive and having some fun and, and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, like I said, I think, I think there's, I think you would like it. I, I really do. I, but it takes sort of surrendering to that scenario and, and letting it, letting it go without any one person being responsible for success or failure. Yeah. It'd be that you or somebody else. It's just like, nope, we are collectively responsible for this. Let's drive it forward. And, see what happens and, you know, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I think the thing is I, I'm driven forward by the fear of wasted time, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, replacing bandmates, getting them up to speed is just boring and, and oh, you know, yeah. frustrating. Right. And so, you know, the way that you, and, and in that situation that I came out of not playing for several years and then starting up again, it was kind of propelled to let's get a band. Hey, let's play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, then you want to keep playing. And that's why it's always funny to me when someone says on Craigslist, um, just getting back into it, uh, you know, my goal is to rehearse once in a while and to maybe gig once a month. I I don't know any musicians that that schedule would work for, right? Like some <laughs> irregular rehearsing, you know, or... or I think, I think that know. would work for most musicians. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there you go. it may not there work. Go, for, it may not work for you, right? But I guess, yeah, like but, okay. But my world, sure. my worldview is the most important, Dave. <laughs> but no, of course it is. <laughs> um, speaking of collaboration, I, you know, I I wanted to share this. Um, the Personas folks, and I'm I'm a big fan of the Personas gear. In fact, you're hearing me and have been for years through uh, Personas Thunderbolt interface. Uh, here, uh, and they have come up with what they call persona sphere, which is, it, it's a subscription uh, from the outside. The way you would look at this and say, it would be, it's a subscription to all of their software and services. And it's not technically all of them, but it's pretty much all of them. And it starts with studio one professional, which is personas DAW. It is a world-class DAW, a digital audio workstation, right? So, you know, comparable to Logic and Pro Tools and, and things like that. And it really is. It it stands on that level. Uh, I've I've used it some here and and it's, you know, it's it's 
just easy to use and it works and it's, you know, works with all the plugins, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it starts there and then it's got a bunch of plugins and sounds and, you know, all of those sorts of things. It comes with Notion. This is the Persona Sphere subscription. Uh, comes with Notion, which is uh, scoring software, right? So you can pull all that together. And, and, and then it's got some classes and things like that, right? Now they've added this community element to it where you can collaborate with other Persona Sphere users, which means everybody's got access to the same software that you do and people are working on projects together, but they're also just supporting each other in, in persona sphere in the, in the community part of it, you know, sharing files back and forth, sharing tips and techniques. And I just thought it was a really smart thing to, to pull it all together and say, Hey, look, if, if you're doing this, you don't have to feel alone because you're not alone right here. Like, like I'm a, I'm a logic user, right? And there's plenty of websites that, that share logic tips, right? There's plenty of, of Q and A's and, and helpful tips and knowledge base articles and all that from Apple directly that will share things and all of that. But finding that community, there is no one community of logic users, right? If I want to ask a question, I'm sort of shouting out into the, you know, into the darkness sometimes, Right. Whereas as Persona Sphere brings that community together in an official way. And I, I think it's brilliant, man. And I, I just wanted to share it. If you are out there looking or especially if you're already a, you know, a, a Studio One user or or not yet, you know, deep into a DAW, I, I this is I, I recommend checking this out because it's really interesting because Fender purchased Personas, right? Oh, is that? I did not know that. Really? Yeah, Fender bought Personas. And so I just wonder, you know, a company the size of Fender and the reach of Fender. And, you know, Fender does interesting things with guitar education. You wonder how – I don't know if Personas oh, yeah. operates as a totally independent it, company. It sure seems – I mean, it was only November. You're right that yeah. Fender acquired them. Yeah. But it was only happened in November. So that's, that's you know, in the, in, in the world of corporate acquisitions, a few months is not very long to see what it means for the, for the yeah. future. Right. But at the moment, well, let me put it this way. I've been digging into Persona Sphere for a while now, for certainly pretty heavily for the last couple of weeks. I had no idea that there was any Fender involvement whatsoever. And if you're on Personas' website, which I happen to be while we're having this conversation, there's nothing on there about Fender, uh, you know, like not even at the bottom or anything. It's all still Personas Audio Electronics, Inc. So it, it certainly at the moment, it's operating independently, whether that a year from now or two years from now that remains, I don't know, but it sure seems like the investments that they're making are into personas and persona sphere being, you know, a product with some legs. Cause otherwise they would not have launched, you know, the, the collaborative community environment if there was a plan in you know, three months to scuttle it. So I, right, I mean, right, right. there might be, but I don't think so. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get the, I don't get that information from them clearly. But um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 becoming a a big fan of just the way they they do things, and I, I'm super happy with the Quantum twenty six twenty six, which is the the interface that uh, that I use. It just man, it uh, I use it for everything here. I use it for the podcast, obviously, and then also I've linked via um, via light by you know toss link cables, fiber optic cables. I've linked two other eight channel inputs in in out units to it. And it's what I use to rehearse here in the studio. 
It's what I used to do my drum recording. Uh, and it's super fast, man. It, you know, cause it's Thunderbolt. It's like one millisecond latency. Mm-hmm. It, it, when I moved to this a couple of years ago, I think we probably talked about it on the show, but I was yeah. coming from, I started with firewire, you know, 16 years ago in the podcast studio lived that way for a long time until, uh, Apple's software made it such that USB was actually more reliable than firewire. And so I switched to USB and then, and then from USB to Thunderbolt and I listen to everything. I hear myself after all of the studio effects and I hear you too, after all the studio effects, but it means that I hear myself on a very slight delay, right? Cause the computer's doing some processing and then I hear it back in my ears. I got used to it and it turned out I got so used to it that I had to artificially add some buffering back in when I got this Thunderbolt interface and slowly wean myself off of the, um, the, 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 the lag because, and even still, I don't have it going as fast as it could because I'm, I, I just like to hear a little bit of lag, but I can get really, really tight. In fact, when I have band rehearsals in here, I set it down to as low as it can so that anybody on in-ears, uh, if they're, you know, guitar or whatever is going or piano is going direct, they want to be able to hear their piano. Like, if, you know, if you push a key down, you don't want any lag whatsoever, right? You want it to right. just sound. And so I can do that and it works great for, you know, a four hour rehearsal. It's, um, but th- yeah, the gear is good. It's, um, so yeah. Anyway, I, I, this Persona Sphere thing is, uh, it's worth checking out. So right. I share is it? Persona Sphere for a year. You can buy at Guitar Center for 165 bucks. That's actually a pretty good deal. Yeah. Huh. It's 12 bucks a month. Yeah. Month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Hey, we got an email uh, from listener Michael. I mentioned that I prioritized keeping my hands limber while I was uh, traveling before we went into the studio for the upcoming Bitter Pill record, uh, which is still in the mixing process. And, uh, and then even, you know, ahead of our most recent gig and all that good stuff. Michael says, you've mentioned this a couple of times that you've uh, kept a drum pad with you, keeping your hands busy. He says, I've been a fan of Tommy Igo for a long time. I-G-O-E for you drummers who don't know his name. He says, uh, Michael continues, he taught my high school marching band, so I'm biased. I've been using his lifetime warm up from his great hands for a lifetime book, uh, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. He says, I started really working it in earnest once I got out of the early pandemic funk and started to practice again. I still try to do it weekly, if not more. And he asked what I was doing. Uh, this this lifetime warm up, he sent me a, a, a picture of it and uh, it was sitting on my laptop on the couch when I saw the picture come in. And so I zoomed it in just to see if I could see it and then wound up tapping out the whole thing on uh, on like the the wrist rest of my laptop cuz it was such good little exercises and it's just rudiments and things like that but it's a great way to uh it, it's got kind of all of the things that you would need to do to get warmed up and and you know for me warming up I'm sure this is true of all of us but for me warming up is as much about getting my hands and feet working as it is getting my brain working with my hands and my feet, right? Like, you know, all of the things working together and, you know, your brain yeah. thinks of something and you, you get your hands to do it and those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah. And, and to answer his question, uh, so I recommend uh, this book looks great. I haven't seen the rest of the book, but this part of it is worth it alone. I've ordered it already from Amazon. Um, my, my, you know, keep my hands limber practice 
pretty much starts with a bunch of my marching band instructors warm ups from my high school days, because those are the things that are just in my hands and in my head. So I can do them anywhere. I don't need to pull out music because I have a lot of them memorized. But then as I get as I start to get warmed up or even if I'm not, I occasionally give myself the opportunity to improvise a bit and find things where I fail. Right. Like, so, I'll, you know, I'll just be doing something and I'll try something and it, you know, I fall flat or whatever. And it's like, ah, I tried again. If I fail it twice in a row, that goes on the like priority warm up list for me because it's like, okay, this is a new thing. Somehow I came up with it. Either my hands accidentally did or whatever, but it's something that I can't do. Like my brain and my hands can't get in sync to make it happen. And so that then becomes something that I'll work on for, you know, a week or two or, and sometimes it sticks around forever. Right. But just the things to keep myself thinking and, you know, but it's anything I fail at, that's the thing that I want to focus on and, and, you know, open up those new neural pathways. Right. So that's, that's you, how, you do that at warm up time, not at, not at practice time. Like, well, why would you want to fail at something right before you're about to like, why would you want that on your mind that you're, you know, working through something? Right before you're about to perform. Well, I mean, we're talking about the keep your hands limber time, right? So it's the um, it, 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 like that I'll do any time where it's, you know, I, I'll do that here at the studio. I'll do it. Like I said, while I'm traveling, I bring a drum pad with me and some sticks or whatever. Uh, in terms of warming up before a gig. Yeah. I mean, I'll do some of the same things. I have a couple of exercises that I know are good litmus tests for me. A simple bossa nova groove uh, for me is a great way to know how well my hands and feet and brain are going to work together that day uh, because I can do a bossa I can do a real straight like simple bossa without the kick drum even being involved I can do a bossa with the kick drum on the downbeats I can do a bossa with the kick drum kind of playing a heartbeat you know dun 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 kind of pattern and a bossa nova groove is is the uh, it, it, it it sort of prioritizes on the snare drum the what you would call the 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 classic Latin American clave, the ba da 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 da, right? So I'll play eighth notes on the hi hat and do that on the snare, usually with a cross stick, and then you know the kick drum on the on the downbeats or on the heartbeats, and then also opening and closing the hi hat so that you get that kind of flow to the eighth notes. And each of those things is it, it is an independence exercise. Like playing, a, if you played a bossa as a drummer, congratulations. You've succeeded at least one independence exercise in your life because it it very much is, you know, each limb doing something very yeah. different together. And and so a bossa is a quick check in for myself to see, ah, OK, where am I today? What do I need to worry about? You know, and, and that will inform me for the gig. I think we were talking about that last week where it's like, oh, if I'm confident that my hands are going to do what my brain says, then I might do more. But if not, I oh, know, okay, yep, the guardrails are up today. <laughs> like, it's just how it's going to be. And that's, you know, so that those sorts of things. And I have other exercises, things that I've failed at that I've, I've learned to do that are also good things. Steve Gadd's 50 ways groove. I mean, the way he plays it, the open handed way is something I still haven't uh, mastered. I have, really haven't even begun to get it. I learned it by ear long before you had YouTube videos to look at. And I completely misinterpreted how he did it. So uh, I have his 50 ways groove in a learned in a very different way, but I like the way he does it. But I know that for him, it was exactly the same kind of thing. It was something he came up with. He failed at, he would play it all the time. And then Paul Simon heard him doing it and started playing some chords over it and 
wrote a song, you know, um, that, that now we all know, but, but that, that was the same kind of thing. Just like, yeah, let me play this repetitive pattern. That's weird and difficult and, you know, angular so that my brain hands and all that can get to work. So, but I'll put a link. Thanks, Michael, for this, um, Tommy, I go thing in the, uh, in the, in the thing it's called great hands for a lifetime. So if you're a drummer or you want to be a drummer, then this is good stuff. Yeah. I have great hands. Yeah. It's key. Yeah, man. What do you do to warm up? Um, I definitely stretch my fingers quite a bit and, you know, I have a, a little bit of, um, uh, arthritis setting Mm. in on, on one of my fingers. And so I definitely have to shake them out and do some, I do a lot of scales on the guitar. I spend a lot more time on vocal warmups and I always, when I'm driving to a gig, I run through about a 35 minute vocal warmup um, pattern. Yeah. So that's, that's really important to me, but uh, you know, my hand warmups, um, are, they're less strenuous. They just get the blood moving and get rid of that arthritic stiffness that's in one of my fingers. But, you know, maybe 10 minutes of scales, maybe seven minutes of scales. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just something to so that, you know, when when you take the stage, it's not your first time playing. I exactly. I, I try, I, you know, a lot of gigs, it's it's impossible for me as a drummer to actually play drums long enough to get warmed up. It, you know, some gigs I do. And it's I love that. But a lot of gigs, that's just not how it is. You know, you're setting up while people are eating dinner or whatever. You know, I, I can't do 10 minutes of playing the drums. To, you, yeah. know. you bring a pad? I do, but I can I can just as easily warm up on my knee or on my drum stool. Uh, so I have that. But usually what I try to do is I pack the car. And then right before I leave, I I play my drums here for 20 minutes or something. And that yeah. that's that's a good it's better than nothing. Let me put it that way. You know, and even if, even if it's hours between then and, and when I have to, you know, play a downbeat at a gig, it's, it still makes a huge difference having played at home, you know, for just 20 minutes or something before I, you know, so it's not the first time I'm playing the drums for the day. Yeah. 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 You know, difference. I, I want to throw into the, into the show notes. So, you know, if you're offering the drum warm up stuff, yeah. I should throw in this, uh, Ken Tamplin vocal warm up for dudes. Uh, it's free on, uh, Apple music. If you're a subscriber to Apple Music, and um, I don't know if it's on Spotify, it might be, but it's um, it's 18. Uh, no, it's probably there, there's a few that are just spoken, but there's probably 14 um, different vowel warmups vocally, oh. and uh, it's it's kind of my go-to, and it's been the most effective. You know, I've actually feel as though it's not it's strengthened my voice, gotten me better better ready to sing earlier. In most cases, depending on when you do it, it still takes I don't know three or four songs into a show before I'm warm. Huh? Right. Huh? But I'm, but, but I'm warmed up. I, I'm, I, if I remember to warm up in the car, I'm fine for note one. Like, got it. Good to That's go. Good. Yeah, yeah, but it, I got it right. But I, I, if I forget to do that or something, you know, which is rare, but it happens, you know, especially if I get a phone call, you know, it's a Friday gig and I've had a lot of work going on. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this call in the car. And then suddenly it's two minutes from the gig. And it's like, Ooh, I did the worst thing for warming up your voice. I spoke for 30 minutes, you know, Um, it's the worst, right? Yeah. So, uh, but if I can do my warmups in the car, I have a couple of songs that I sing along with and I, I sort of do different things throughout them. Actually, what I do is I sing along to the same song twice. I sing along to REM's finest work song. Um, Ah. And I sing, the first time through, I sing the lead part, the lower part, the stipe part, and 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 really am focused on just opening up my chest. That's that's kind of the point of that. And mm. and as a byproduct of that, 
because I'm not pushing or anything, you know, it's a, it does wind up warming up my mouth and my throat and all that good stuff. And then the second time through, I sing all the harmony parts, which are, you know, kind of at the, at the other side of my range and, uh, and help me push a little bit. And, uh, but I, I won't do that unless I'm, I might feel like my chest is already opened up and everything's like relaxed and how it's supposed to be and all those good things. So, yeah. So, so I, I think the important thing you said is that you're warmed up for note one, which I think is really important because, you know, the people are paying for note one, right? And, and know, I have to be the whole show because I'm usually not singing leads, especially not, you know, the first song of the night. And I mean, with yeah. the pill, I don't sing any leads, which is totally fine. I'm actually like it better that way. Uh, but I am singing harmonies right out of the gate. And, yeah. you know, sometimes those are high notes. And so if I'm not if I'm not warmed up, like I, I don't again, it's it's like the bossa nova singing through that tells me, OK, you're either in good voice today or no, you might, you might want to lean on a falsetto a little bit more, <laughs> you, oh, know, interesting. It, no, you know, it's a, it's a litmus test for me as, as much of a, as much as it is a warm up, it, it's informative uh, as well as helpful. So, yeah. Well, my vocal warm up definitely opens up my throat, you know, gets my lips and, you know, my tongue, you know, relaxed and all that type of thing. I, I still, I'm a little cautious about those first couple of songs uh, um, because there seems to be something that happens when, and, and I'm not saying it's better when adrenaline kicks in, yeah. but when you kind of feel a little bit different sense of power in your body, um, uh, you can sing more relaxed, kind of knowing that your body is there for you. And it, I just think your whole body needs to be warmed up totally. in addition to your voice. So oh, yeah. You, like I said, but I, I actually, if I had my druthers, I would do something pretty physical and, you know, have a really good sound check. Like, you know, I talk about that guy I like to listen to, Springsteen, quite a bit. And, um, you, you know, I, I'm a big Springsteen fan. Who is this guy? I, you know, you've mentioned him a few times over the years. Well, but yeah, he's a, he's a he's a 500 millionaire now. So you may want to look into him in case you need a couple bucks. It's so. a half a billionaire. If I, if That's you do the right. math the other way, that's right. Yeah. That's it. Uh, but you know, he was famous for, you know, two hour sound checks where they would try different songs and polish yeah. things. And, you know, yeah. which, you know, your first thought in that is, holy crap, that drummer is drumming five to six hours a night <laughs> and, and some serious drumming five to six. But you know, that his whole being is warmed up. Yeah, by the, and I would I would prefer to do that, but you know, rarely do you get a chance to actually like really rev up your your motor. You know, well, that that's what that twenty minutes of playing here at the house does for me. And I know that it's like I get I do that, and then I go sit in the car for an hour, or you know, whatever. Yeah. But but it it really does help. You know, it it gets my blood flowing, it gets everything moving, and it makes a difference for me. And it may be. I mean, I'm sure there's some physical aspect to it, but it, it also is just that mental aspect of, yeah, I know my body's working today. I've, I've, I've leaned on it once already, it, you know, and that's that, I don't know. It seems to work. Hey, we said that we were going to talk about uh, how to ensure your gear in, in this episode. And I'm sure this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Russ from fling shared with me a video about a band that lost like $9,000 worth of gear that was um, stolen from them. And he was a suggesting that we talk about this on the show, but also, yeah, uh, you know, asking me what what I do to ensure my gear. I, I happen to have a homeowner's insurance company which allows me to add a uh, rider for l listed property, and that listed property can, at least with our policy, can be used for. Uh, things that you do for hire, 
Right. You know, and, and so I, I'm able to just put my drums on that. I, I can put computers on that if I want to. And it, it works. You know, they, I mean, we haven't, well, I say it works on paper. The insurance company is committed to covering it. I have not had to test it yet. And thank goodness for that. But, uh, but it's listed property, which would be the same thing that you might do for specific pieces of jewelry. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Art. Art correct. Yeah. Things. It, by listed, it, it's specifically like I'm putting – I'm not just putting my drums or my computer. I'm listing, okay, I have you know this 16-inch floor tom, this ride symbol, and putting a value on each of those things, a replacement value on each of those things. And then I pay an additional premium for that listed uh, – you know, that, that list of listed property because now they know a value that they're they're on it for, but – it again with my insurance company, which I, I think is Metropolitan Life, uh, that works out. I've had the same thing with State Farm, and that also worked out. So I think it worked out that they let you buy something, but yet correct. did you ever have to make a claim on either of them? Not I, I've made claims with my homeowner's insurance, but I've never had to make a claim with with this. But it but it is very clearly you know stipulated that this is stuff they know that it is used for hire. That's okay. That doesn't exempt it from the claim, which is something that's usually the issue. Is if you know you can have your stuff insured even outside of the home, but as soon as you are making money with it, everything changes, uh, and it that usually is the thing that exempts you. So check the listed property with with whatever you're using for homeowners or renters insurance that might work. Uh, if if that doesn't, then you need to look at, you know, individual options and, and things like that. So, yeah. So just to clarify for everybody, because that's the important thing. It's this for hire thing. Correct. You have gear that you use that you make money using if it's part of your professional life, not your home, you know, just sitting around. At home, and you you can't really play games with uh, well that guitar I don't take out on gigs, but this one I you know I do play you know you really yeah, no. gotta get it carefully. Um, it's interesting because uh, I think one time I looked into my home insurance and they didn't even offer a writer right, so I had to go out and look and find for people. And my local music store recommended this Music Pro Insurance, MusicProInsurance.com, and that's what most musicians that I've known have done. Okay. And maybe maybe because this guitar store, you know, had recommended and they also had very good reports about having to make a claim, like no questions asked. Yep. You know, what did you what did you lose? What was stolen? And a check shows up three days later. I, it's funny because they go there and, and um, you know, they ask, you know, you can learn more. You go to that website or, you know, how much is your estimated value? Put in a number and they'll give you a quick quote. There's a little bit more work to understand after that, but at least it gets you in the ballpark yeah. understanding. So, for example, I don't know if you remember what you do, but I put in $50,000 worth of gear. It said your estimated uh, estimated replacement value $50,000 is a $635 a year premium. Okay. Sure. All right? Sure. See, seems reasonable. It always seems reasonable if you're worried about losing something. Like whenever I see these things going around on the internet, like, hey, this band's truck got broken into B, looking out for this gear, these serial numbers, whatever it is, it just breaks my heart, you know, how oh, much yeah. it happens. Yeah. You know, so I, I put horrible. in, I just went to this uh, musicproinsurance.com and I put in $10,000 worth of equipment, which for many musicians, I think is probably the amount of stuff you're taking from your home, right? It's a realistic thing. I mean, some of us have more, some of us have less. It's a $175 annual premium for a $10,000 replacement value. So that's, that's, to me, that's totally worth it. That's, you know, two gigs or less 
right? Like, yep. like the pays for that. To have some peace of mind. To have some peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. And somebody last, we mentioned that we were going to talk about this and somebody posted in Facebook. Oh, it's the same Music Pro Insurance. Listener Peter put that in um, in Facebook for us. So thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. So that's that's certainly, check with your homeowners or, uh, you know, renter's insurance to see, again, to, you know, to reiterate that point, to see if they will cover things that you are doing you know, as work for or using in work for hire, uh, because what I pay is far. I think I'm paying like 80 bucks a year for everything. And that includes our jewelry and our my drums and, you know, lot symbols and sound gear and all that stuff. Uh, but it's part of our bigger, you know, homeowners policies. So they're they're, right. getting, they're getting plenty from us. Uh, and it's just rolled into that. But you got to make sure that it's covered if you're using it for hire, because they will. If you, you know, they know that musical instruments, especially if you say, yeah, it, you know, it was stolen from a club somewhere. It's like, OK, well, chances are you were being paid, you know, prove that you weren't. And yeah. and then let's and then call us back. Let us know how you're doing. So that's great. That music Pro. That's good stuff to know about your local musicians and, union. If you're a member yeah. of that often will have, a uh, you know, an arrangement with or yeah. at least a referral to a, a an insurance company, too. So that's another way to go. Yeah. So, you know, there's another uh, insurance conversation to have, and that's about does your band carry liability insurance? Oh, yeah. Right. That's that we need to put that on the list. Okay. That's a long and interesting conversation. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Boring. But um, (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, you know, I like accounting. I like legal stuff. Insurance. I do not care for it. Just doesn't. It doesn't register as something interesting to me. I always hate it. But, you know, it's one of those things. Got a deal. Got deal. All right. That's what I got for today. What do you got, man? Anything else? Um, no, that's a good conversation. We went all around the world today. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we even, uh, I even yanked my Thunderbolt cable out halfway through the show and things mostly recovered. I, I think, boy, I hope so. Otherwise we don't have an episode and then we got to do this all over again. So, yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's what we got today, folks. Uh, hang out. Oh, no, that doesn't want to play. Does that want to play? Hey Dave, aren't we There's coming up on a? Aren't we coming up on an anniversary? Yeah, in February, man. I think it's like February nineteenth, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say. Yep, that's it. Right? Okay. Almost so two more shows, and we'll celebrate an anniversary. Absolutely. All right. What's that thing we say? A B F. Always be performing. A B F. I like it. Sure. Sure. Or always be insuring. Which is it? I don't know. See not always. Time. Not yeah. always.